You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Her Money is brought to you by Fidelity Investments. We're committed to sparking important conversations about money and inspiring you to always be in the financial front seat. Learn more at fidelity.com slash front seat. Her Money comes to you through PRX. So I caught a recent headline that said, yet again, American working women finally earn 80 cents on a man's dollar. Yay. Finally earn 80 cents on a man's dollar. (laughs) I got to say, I am so sick of my own voice when I am talking about stories like this. I'm at NBC in the wonderful office of Mika Brzezinski, who you all know from Morning Joe, from the Know Your Value platform that she has created. Are you sick of it too? Yeah, I'm acting on it. Um, And I'm not even talking about Know Your Value. Uh, As we are hiring women here at NBC, I am personally taking them by the hand down to the front office and negotiating with them. All right. (laughs) So what does that look like? And and take me through the steps. That's what this, this is what it looks like. It looks like... uh, we got to get this done, and we got to get this done right. And you can't be one of the only women at the table who are not paid or paid less. So let's go down there and talk about what you're worth. So I get a sense of what people get paid. I know what I get paid. I know how long I've worked here. I have insight. Your agent has favors he needs to do for people. Why do you need an agent? An agent takes 10 to 15% off your gross. So whatever money you make, You're going to then pay that person for the rest of your contract with NBC or any company you go with to do what? Absolutely nothing. So for a woman starting here at NBC or trying to get her first job here at NBC or trying to get a contract after having been uh, a contributor, an agent is about the last thing you need. What you need is a voice Mm -hmm. and maybe a friend and maybe a sense of your value. You need those three things when you walk in the door, and you need to get it done. That's how men do it. Yeah, and it has to come from the employer as well. I mean, what's so wonderful about you doing this is that you're the woman that they look up to. You're, no, you are. you One of many, I'm sure, but you're saying, I do this for myself. I'm going to help you do it for you. You'll pass it on, and you'll do it for somebody else. And that has been the case. I mean, there's two major on-air talents here that I walked through the process, and now they're walking other women through the process. But I literally took them by the hand down to the front office and talked numbers. There is a um, newspaper columnist who kept coming on MSNBC, and she wasn't paid. And she wrote kind of a group... Uh, email to a bunch of us who who shows she come comes on, and I and said you know I'm I'm the only one who's not paid when I come on I'm really busy, and valuable and I wrote back, calling Phil, <laughs> and I got on the phone with Phil. Phil and, Griffin. Yeah, and Phil Griffin gets it. Sometimes management, sometimes management uh, who happens to be a male, they just need to hear from you. They can't read your mind. They don't know if you don't tell them. Men speak up. Women need to speak up. And we need to feel so comfortable doing that. I knew that I was doing Phil a favor by letting him know of this situation. Phil thanked me 
because she was going to go elsewhere. She was going to go elsewhere or she was going to express this to more people, which is not right. And by the way, the two other major on-air talent that um, that we have now uh, because of this Mika process or whatever you want to put it through, pass it on process, uh, boy, NBC sure is lucky. So everybody's winning. And women are learning, at least through my process of, of, of teaching women to know their value and communicate it effectively. It's helping the network. We have, look at our network. We have some great, look at some of the new um, female talent that has yep. come on board at Morning Joe. Amazing. And I, you know, so who, who's the loser here? Nobody. <laughs> it's all good. For people who are not at NBC, where you don't have a sense of what they're paid and mm-hmm. who may not have Amika in their life, mm-hmm. how do they get the same process in motion? Well, there's a lot of tangible tips that I have uh, in my book, Knowing Your Value, that actually really helped a lot of women get raises. I've, I've had a lot of feedback uh, from readers of the book from across the country. I am updating that book. It's going to be re-released in the fall because I released it six years ago. I, I don't know. Ha- I seems- don't have that right, but it's like that long, maybe seven. <laughs> um, it was a long time ago. It feels like an eternity given the Trump presidency. Um, but uh, so I'm updating it with things I've I've kind of developed on some of the concepts and the tips that you can literally put into action. There are things you can do for yourself to know your value and increase your value as it pertains to money. And yes, it matters. It matters in the world of bringing home the bacon for your family. It matters in the world of leveling the playing field and having long-term success in your career. It matters in the world of sexual harassment. If you are paid less and you feel like you're in there because of some fluke and you're just the lucky one and somebody sexually harasses you, you may not feel as comfortable saying, whoa, you know, I'm a member of this team. I get paid just as much as you. I get paid more than you. Mm-hmm. You need to back off. That voice, it's funny how money can get that voice to come out of your mouth. Well, I've seen it in the degree of management, the degree of control that women take with their money. When we earn more, yeah. all of a sudden we feel more in control of the family finances. We feel like we have more of a voice in our own homes How and about in our own we families. We feel valued. <laughs> yeah. And that feels good. <laughs> Which is not to say, by the way, that if you're not out of the house in the workforce, if you are home with your children, that that is not valuable. But there is is this sense of what a paycheck means. No, 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 no. The the choice to to work at home or to be a mom or to uh, take care of family members um, is not a part of the equation I'm making. I'm saying if you have a job that pays Mm -hmm. and you are paid correctly for that job or well for that job because you're really good at it, it feels good. It makes you better at the job. You feel valued. If you are paid less than the men you work with, or you're always like you got in the door somehow because you're lucky, 
you know, and you have that feeling, you're, you're not as good at the job because you don't think you should be there because you don't actually feel valued. You feel they're doing a favor for you, which is a totally screwed up mentality that so many women carry with them to work every day. Oh, I'm so lucky to have this job and I have my kids and I got to balance it all and I'm just so lucky to have this job and I'm grateful that they would take me, just me. No, they're lucky to have you and they should be paying you to do your job as well as you do it. And the fact that you have kids should make you better at your job. Well, I think it absolutely makes you better well, but at well, your job. Why, why are we so freaked out by this? Why do we carry that mentality? I think we carry it because many of the women who came before us did not feel that way. And right. many of the men who came before us did not feel that That's way. That's how I felt 30 years ago, 20 years ago. And so it's shifting. And it, it does it really feel is. like since the Trump presidency, it is shifting faster. So I mean, weirdly, the Trump presidency is causing such a kind of deeply um, instinctive reaction that we may leap forward in some ways that we never expected to. But because it is such a disgrace, I don't want to give him any credit, even if it's backhanded. So I, I do think women are realizing we have to take control of our lives and no one's going to do it for us. The Obama presidency did so much for the betterment of women and opportunities and equal pay that um, I, I truly was proud to be an American. Right now, I'm sort of in, in protest along with a lot of women reacting to what's happening and you know, stepping up, know your value across the country, re-updating the book, writing two more books, doing podcasts, going around the country, doing national conferences, doing smaller things for companies, and then devising events around the, any opportunity to educate women on how to communicate effectively for themselves. I feel like now it is sort of like a, a duty <laughs> because we are really, we are up against a wall here. Yeah, absolutely no question. Mika, before we go on, I want to share a brief word from Fidelity because her money is supported by Fidelity Investments. Our mission, our shared mission, is to get you talking about money and inspiring you to always be in the financial front seat. Whether you're just entering the workforce, negotiating for your next raise, running a business, taking a break to raise a family, or getting ready to retire, Fidelity has tools and resources that can help you understand where you stand today and help you get where you want to go. Discover more at fidelity.com slash front seat. When you look at the things in your portfolio, one of them is something called the millennial challenge. It's mm. something that you're working on that's coming forward. What yeah. is it What is it about millennials that makes you want to focus on them? Well, they're so talented. Um, and some of the most impressive people in my life are millennials. Um, and I'm co-writing it with Daniela Pierre Bravo, who uh, is a booker here at Morning Joe, who has the most amazing story of how she got her first job. And that in itself, I was like, I want to well, write a You can't just leave us with that. Okay, well, she <laughs> she'll be telling it herself in the book, but I will do the short version because it'll give you a sense as to why I feel it's important to invest in millennials. Because Daniela is scrappy, and some millennials need to be more scrappy and less connected, and others desperately need to be connected 
because they are so scrappy, but they need the access. Mm -hmm. So we have to sort of find some parity uh, across America in our millennial population. And then they're all over the map in terms of the money they make. So their views as to where they should be can sometimes be incredibly out of whack. And there's the whole list of, you know, of criticisms for millennials that I can check off, but I understand exactly where they all come from. And I think it's so easy to help them because they're so talented and they're so connected that it's kind of a fun project. But with Daniela, she lived in a tiny town in Ohio and uh, she's a dream act. And she had, I think she's got four other siblings and um, wanted to go to college. No one was going to college and put herself through, worked, all the time to pay for everything and then started realizing how am I going to kind of get beyond this small town in Ohio and meet my dreams? I have to be in New York or Washington. I need access. How do I get access? And she actually came to me with this pitch on a plane. She sat next to me on a plane and just started pitching, which I thought was scrappy. (laughs) fabulous. Um, And she was like, I want to create something called access. Well, I've decided to take her on the team and have her create that concept within Know Your Value because she thinks, especially the Latino community and kids in remote towns don't have the access that our kids have and give them access and they'll take it from there. And that's what she did. She actually was trying to get a job in New York, any type of media related uh, business, just a foot in the door. And she realized that when she put her address, no one would call her because no one's going to fly her from a small town in Ohio. Right. Um, that, you know, it's, they they go for the low hanging fruit. So she lied and said that she lived on like 57th street and applied for a job at P Diddy or Sean Puffy Combs. Mm -hmm. He has some sort of big company. Yeah. And, um, they called her and they said, you can get this internship, but uh, we need to interview you first to make sure. Can you be here like Tuesday, which was day after tomorrow at four. She got on a bus She took like four buses through the night, ended up at Penn Station, washed her hair in the bathroom. Oh, my God. Showed up at the interview, pulled herself together, no sleep, nailed it. It didn't pay much or anything. So she got four other jobs, dog walking, being a hostess, delivering. I mean, she worked. I I don't even, it didn't sound safe, to be honest, but she did it. And they loved her. They promoted her. She ended up here at Morning Joe somehow because she started word of mouth. But that's scrappy. That is And that is thought, that is using your brain and then your feet and then your mouth. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, and using the, having the words. Then she went in there. She nailed it. She wanted it so badly. And I think a lot of millennials need that hunger and need those stories to inspire them. Because a lot of millennials are just thinking, oh, it's right here on my phone. It's coming to me, right? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, and Daniela just put the phone down and got on a bus like they did in the 50s, okay? (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, I do this with the women on my staff. We have phone training when they first come in and start to work with me because this, you know, the millennials are so used to communicating electronically that picking up the phone in some cases is a difficult thing to do. Right. But you gotta, you gotta pick up the phone. You gotta see people in person. And I'm all for the lying on the resume, by the way. When I was a young intern, the head of HR at Condé Nast, where I wanted a magazine job, told a whole group of us, we are not even looking at you until you have an apartment in New York. Right. Right. Why? 
Absolutely right. lie. So, and, and let me let me agree with you and also say what you're saying carefully. You're not saying lie about your background. Or uh, your college or your degree. Education. I mean, you might run for office and then, yikes. Um, Daniela, by the way, is from Chile. Huh. And she's a DACA recipient. So um, it, it makes it even more, I think, meaningful, her story today, given everything that we're talking about in the political conversation that we have on Morning Joe. But yeah, she finessed it. Yes. She finessed it and then showed up, not late, early <laughs> for that interview. So as you explore the millennial challenge, access is one thing you'll be getting into. What else? Well, we'll be looking into... Um, Kind of, you know, I have found at a lot of my events that I've been holding around the country, working with women of all ages, people want to know how to walk in the door. They want to know how to shake hands. They want to know what to say. They want to know how to handle themselves in an interview. They want to know how to handle themselves in that first job. And I, I think there's a lot of bad information out there. And I think in... Like um, what? Like not understanding the power of posture the power of elegance, the power of using your voice in a very rich and robust way, the power of not using your voice and staying in your lane, and then knowing when the lane is open up for yourself, taking verbal and nonverbal cues from managers, not being exhausting to them, but getting to know them at the same time, a fine balance of having them invest in you and really like you, but not be like, oh God, Mika just walked in the room. She's going to talk my <laughs> ear off about, you know, and you know, like you got to know. And, and I think it's hard. I think that all the different ways millennials are brought up from different parts of the country, there's different forms of entitlement that have happened to this generation. And it sounds, it's such a horrible word. Mm -hmm. It's, it's not the end of the world. It's solvable. And, and you are not entitled. Most of you are not entitled and most of you mean very well. It's looking entitled. And, and I can, ha I mean, there's, there's a million different pieces of advice we're going to have in this book of how you conduct yourself so that you're successful, so that you're effective, so that you don't carry on the stereotype and deep six your own, you know, career path. And it's fun because a lot of these things that we've been doing on the road are really tangible. You know, eye contact, people don't have it anymore. Right. And it's so valuable. And like, what's a, what's a good handshake? Do, do, have you met millennials who don't know how to do that? I've met many people who don't know how to do that. Well, actually, they, they don't. They, they like actually don't shake hands. They they're holding their phones. Yeah. You know, and then they're holding other stuff. And then they're like, oh, you know, I mean, so and there's nothing, nothing wrong with phones. But you got to put it in your pocket. And I, I suffer from the same. I just looked at my phone right now as I was speaking. So uh, I'm certainly, you know, a little bit of a hypocrite. But I will say there are times where you got to put it in your pocket and you got to be in the moment. And it is easier said than done. Millennials have a lot on their mind. I want to shift gears here before we wrap up and talk about money. Mm -hmm. I mean, we started talking about money, but I want to actually talk about your money. Oh, okay. Um, Let's do it. <laughs> you're going to get married for the second time. Oh, my God. Yes. Yes, I am. And mazel tov, by Thank the way, you. as my people say. <laughs> so how are you approaching finances in this new relationship? Really great question. Um, it's very complicated. There are six kids between us, a couple of houses, and a lot of discussions about money that I'm having with women. And I really feel that 
what we are doing right now before we tie the knot because my daughter's graduating. So nothing outshadows that this June. And then I, then I get to get married. Um, is we're really looking at what the dif- what the lines of demarcation are between his kids and mine, and what do we leave for them? What do we build up? There's not much, <laughs> you know. I mean, like you wouldn't believe it. Uh, actually, you've been married twice. Twice. Yes, you do understand. It's I, kind of like a reset. It is. It's a real reset. tough. It's real well, and, expensive, and, and it's hard. tough. It's expensive. It's hard. And then there are these strange issues of parity. Yeah. That start to rear their heads. Mm -hmm. You know, I have more life insurance than my husband Mm -hmm. has, and my children are the beneficiaries of my life insurance. Well, the longer we're married is not feeling so good to me. So I'm doing what I think you would tell me to do, and that we are right now meeting with a lot of different experts that we have at our disposal, either by virtue of, you know, people we've met along the way or, you know, attorneys Mm -hmm. that I'm talking to for estate planning. And we're asking for advice on how we do this because we did, you know, nobody, we didn't expect, we weren't like planning this for a long time. So I I know that I'm in a new world and that I don't know what I don't know. Mm -hmm. And so there is going to be a lot of planning happening. And we are looking at issues of parity. We're looking at life insurance. We're looking at our kids. And we're looking at how to create, you know, I just lost my father. I know. I'm so and sorry. Thank you. And I, I was amazed at how he thought of everything. And I'm taking a lot of cues from the one piece of paper he left us spelling everything out. And I was like, my God, how did he do that in one piece of paper? But it has created a scenario where me and my brothers can take care of my mom and we can, there's no issue between us. And I thought that that is the greatest gift someone can leave behind is to not create scenarios where there's, you know, stuff to fight over. Not that there was that much, but still, it, you would be surprised at what happens at, um, sometimes end-of-life scenarios between family members. So all these experiences are sort of culminating in a plan which is yet to be laid out. And I mean, I think when I have it, I'll let you know. I'm not sure I'd share it all. No, it's okay. But but definitely planning and getting help, getting a lot of opinions and help. And we we talk about it. We go on walks all the time. And this is the bulk of what we talk about because it's so interesting. And we like to hear what the other needs and has to say. And we're sort of developing. We're uh, Now when we're in talking to people about what we're doing, we're beginning to finish each other's sentences because we know the needs of the other. And I think that's really important. And it's something that not enough people do. I mean, the letter, no. from, the letter from your father, such a gift. Oh my gosh. Such a gift yeah. because people don't put these things in writing and then kids are lost. Adult yeah. kids, they're lost. They're combative. It yeah. ruins families. Even if it's $100, it will be all go to the attorney and, yeah. and uh, that you use to fight over it. And the best of families can find themselves weirdly territorial at a time when someone passes. And it, it's a lot to do with emotion. And you don't expect that. So it's important. It's really important. I know you talk a lot about this. Just talking about talking about it mm-hmm. is important. I mean, I think the women who listen to this podcast every week, they mm-hmm. tell us, it feels like I'm having the conversation I need to have. Yeah, that's great. 
we're grateful to you for, you for being a part of it. Thank you so much. We will point everybody toward all of the places that they need to go to keep up with you. But what are the most important? I love my website. I'm so excited about it, knowyourvalue.com. I feel like this is what I've been trying to say for a decade, all happening on this website every day. And we'll be offering lots of different interactive uh, ways to communicate with women on this website in the coming months, but we already have some great contributors. And we're really going to talk about every facet of knowing your value and communicating effectively. It's your health. It's your relationship. It's your money. And money is important to talk about. We need to get more comfortable with it. It's your sense of comfort in a relationship. It's how you conduct yourself at work. And all these things we get to pick apart and really talk about in a engaging, oh my God, I can do that way, <laughs> which I think is the most important thing about women's empowerment is we have to help women with things that they can actually tangibly do and put into practice. I don't talk from way up here. No. I talk about the things I had to learn. I had to start, you know, there were some basics that I had to learn in order to make more money. And then those things started applying to the rest of my life as well. And that website, I think we're going we're gonna to help a lot of women. Absolutely. Thank you for doing this. All right. Take care. And Kelly has joined me in the studio. Hi, everyone. Hey, Kel. So we are back. We should tell people. Yes. We have we have left Mika's office. <laughs> we didn't just take over Command we're Central. <laughs> we're back in we're back in our own home studio. She was inspiring. So inspiring. And I knew I loved her, but now I'm even more in love with her because she is just such an advocate. She's a champion. She is. She's all about empowering other women. Yeah. And you can hear it. You heard it. Like, it's really inspiring. I know. I left feeling incredibly jazzed. Yeah. So um, so we have questions. We do have questions. What you got? Our first question comes from Andrea, and she opens with news we love hearing. She writes, I love your show and even referred my mother to one of your episodes while she was looking for a new job. Oh, that's and nice. She, and she actually negotiated her offer because of your podcast. And she didn't even hear this episode yet. I know. That's great. I know. And back to her. She says, I'm currently applying to grad school to get my MBA. My company does tuition reimbursement, and they would cover the full cost of my master's. Would student loans be the best option? I have looked at a personal loan with 6.9% interest but maybe there's a better one. I was planning on only taking out the loan for the first semester and then using the reimbursement money to pay for the following semester. Any guidance would be much appreciated. So it sounds to me like you only need a very short-term loan in order to come up with the amount of money that you need to pay that first semester, and then the money is going to start coming, which is great. I would say a couple of things. First, talk to your employer. I mean, I, I think they've probably dealt with this before, and maybe they'd be willing to front load the payments. If that's not possible, look at the interest rates. Look at the interest rate on a student loan versus the interest rate that you can get on a personal loan, knowing that that student loan is going to have some tax deductibility that the personal loan's not going to have, and just compare. And then I would say as soon as the money comes back, just repay it so that you're not saddled with a student loan after you actually get this degree as long as you can handle the ancillary expenses, the books and things like that, which you might be able to do out of current cash flow because it sounds like you're going to continue to work while all of this is going on. But 
lucky you. I mean, how great is that, that your company pays for the entire thing? Mm -hmm. It's great. It's unusual. And say thank you. Yeah. And good luck. Yeah. Good luck. Now a question from Angela. I'm currently 23 years old and plan on having kids, but don't plan on pushing a higher education degree as necessary for success. However, I want to open a 529 plan ASAP to start saving for college, should my kids want to attend. I'm interested in knowing what would happen in the unlikely event that no one, me, my spouse, hypothetical kids, hypothetical young relatives, wanted to use those funds for education. Can you move the money to another account? Can you use those funds for any other purposes? What penalties are involved. Angela, I can't believe how future-focused you are. It's awesome. (laughs) It is. It's really awesome. But maybe your kids, some of those kids, will decide that they want some kind of higher education at some point in the future. I I would say don't stress too much about this what-if scenario. But the answer to your question is, no, you can't move it to a different account. You can move funds among beneficiaries within 529. So if your first child doesn't want to go and your second child doesn't want to go, but the third child wants to go, you can just give all the money to the third child and the third child can use that money. Or a grandchild or a niece or a nephew or you or your spouse. If nobody wants to go, you will owe a 10% penalty on the gains that you have accrued in that account, which sounds to me like a a pretty decent risk worth taking. I would not put enough money in to pay for all of college for every child, but I, I think putting some money into a 529, assuming that you are already making the most of your own retirement account options, is a good thing to do. And the other thing that you can do is load up a Roth IRA because a Roth IRA can be used down the road to pay for education with no penalty as well. I have a feeling that she's doing all of that. I know. I have a guess. I have a feeling. But that was good for me to hear and for anyone else that's not Angela. So and we'll do <laughs> one more from Lindsay, who says she's a huge fan of the show and has made positive Thanks, financial changes because of it. We love hearing that. Thanks so much for listening. She writes, I'm wondering what your thoughts are on paying off a mortgage early. I understand if you can invest it and get a higher return than your interest rate, that makes more dollar sense. However, my husband and I are currently maxing out our 401ks, have a 12-month emergency fund, anything beyond that is invested and we can't help but think of how great it would be to be mortgage-free. I'm struggling with the right, in quotations, move, is to pay off early or not. We currently pay $300 more per month and have many years left on it, but are trying to find a good balancing act so that what is right from a dollar point of view and a being debt-free standpoint. So here's what I love. I love it when our Listeners answer their own questions. And she did. She I think. did. You yeah. answered your own question. What were her words? I love the idea of being mortgage free. Yep. So pay off the mortgage. Mm-hmm. You're doing everything right. You're doing everything right. And sometimes we just do things with our money because they feel good. They feel good to us, even if they're not perfect on paper. It's mm-hmm. kind of like a date, right? I mean, there's some guys that <laughs> exactly just like feel a date. really good. Yep even though they're on not paper, perfect on no, paper. No, no, nope. Right. So <laughs> we're, we're talking about Kelly's yep. life. No, no. maybe. <laughs> I'm going to get in so much trouble. <laughs> anyway, if paying off the mortgage is the thing that feels really good to you, knowing that you are doing everything right, then pay off the mortgage and just be done with it. Thank you so much, everyone, for your questions. And thank you, Jean.
You're welcome. <laughs> In today's Thrive segment, inspired by Angela's question on 529 college savings plans, I want to tell you about a new piece of research from T. Rowe Price. According to their recent survey, parents who have just boys are going to greater lengths to support their kids' college education than parents who have just girls. The research looked at families with kids of only one gender, age 8 to 14, and found that parents of all boys, horrifyingly, tended to be more willing to save more, pay more, and borrow more for college. Now, let me just say that I am sure that listeners of this podcast are not behaving in that way, but with the average student loan tab climbing toward $40,000 for recent grads, It seems like something we should just be talking about as a wake-up call to try to save a little more for all your kids. And a great way to do this is a 529 college savings account where contributions grow tax-free and withdrawals for qualifying educational expenses aren't taxed either. Making the choice to save in your own state's 529 could get you an additional income tax break likely on your state tax return, but you can compare different states' plans at savingforcollege.com. Thanks so much for joining me today on Her Money. Thank you to Mika Brzezinski for the fantastic conversation and for hosting us in her office. Our usual home, by the way, is at CDM Sound Studios. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our show at Apple Podcasts and leave us a review because we love hearing what you think. We also want to thank our sponsor, Fidelity. Our music is provided by Track Tribe. Our show comes to you through PRX. And join us when we'll be back with Patty Sellers, founder of Fortune Magazine's Most Powerful Women franchise. I hope you have a productive week. We'll talk soon.